You're listening to the North Peace Roundtable Podcast, your weekly podcast about theology and the Christian life. Well, I can't believe I remembered the intro thing. I was going to say, how many times did you listen to it before you... What do I say? Welcome to the pod, this he, round. He this was here at 5 a.m. this yeah, morning practicing. just playing that over But hey, over. we're back. Wow. <laughs> you Wow. <laughs> I think that's what our four listeners are going to say. Wow. Uh, okay, they're going to try this again. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But if you are new and this is your first episode, we used to do this all the time. Yeah. And then uh, I went on a sabbatical and I think Corlin got fired. I can't remember. I, and, that's, uh, mm-hmm. that's how rumors start. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're going to get into a fun yeah. rumor from oh, uh, me leaving for four months. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, my name is Andrew. With me as always is Corlin. Hello, hello. And Cameron. Good morning, everyone. And uh, yes, we do uh, record this podcast every week and talk about the Bible and Christianity and theology and topics related to that. So um, all joking aside, we did take a four month sabbatical from this podcast. So uh, how's everyone been? Corlin, let's start with you. How is do you still have one child? I do not. I no longer. (laughs) Aaron and I are not outnumbered yet, but we welcomed my first son into the world. Woo! Yeah. Wow. An so, heir to the fair name. I know. My dad, somebody, I can't remember who it was, did look at me and they were like, well, now your dad's line can finally continue on. And I was <laughs> oh, like, geez. I know. It's like his line would be distinguished from the other 1,500 <laughs> fair boys. Yeah. If only there was a way to keep the fair name alive. <laughs> I know. Thanks We're for petering out here. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was really exciting and really cool. Uh, and uh, he's healthy. And yep. Aaron's healthy, doing well. Aaron's doing well. The birth That's went awesome. well. It was, it was funny when you texted me. Like, I think I texted you back in Canada. Did you have the baby? And I think your answer was like, you sent a picture and was like, yep baby's here or something like that and molly was just like you men are so what's the name how's Aaron doing <laughs> what how did... much did it weigh right why yeah. is that a thing like, i don't know so then i text the girl and what's the name or something like or, you... or is it a boy or a girl can you, you imagine the first I, it's true <laughs> i got in trouble for that with aaron's family because i didn't say that with Gemma either i just she came <laughs> into the, the world baby. and i was like it's the baby and they're like what is it you need more details oh man that's funny but yeah cameron how are you doing pretty good yeah it it's kind of been an interesting summer. It feels like at some points it was nice and, and lasted for a while. But I think with like the heat and the smoke and everything and thinking back to like the bright blue days, it feels like actually a quite short summer. It's September yeah. tomorrow and that's kind of wild and kids are going back to, oh, man, to yeah. school. And so, uh, no, it, it, it was good. Um, <clears throat> we had a lot of family time. And then just, yeah, recently I, I, I shared uh, with a few folks uh, my dad's uh, battling cancer right now. Yeah, so that right. w- that fell on us on July, middle of July. <clears throat> yeah, he was with us in the, in the first couple of weeks. And then, yeah, I don't know where got sick. And then, boom, terminal, terminal cancer. Man, man. So we've been navigating that the last month and a half, heading out there again tomorrow, just right. spending a lot of time together. And all that comes with that, it's kind of wild. Um yeah, you joked before we hit record, but you're right. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, life and death. We're celebrating a mm-hmm. baby. That's yeah. amazing. And then yeah. we're also, like, walking through grieving and, like, yeah, just different seasons of life. Yeah, it's kind of wild. I, I, an uncle of mine passed away last year, and he was in his early 70s, and, and uh, my cousins are in their early 50s, and he had gone to sleep that night and never woke up. Wow. And, and then there was just nothing for them, right? There was no conversations. There was mm-hmm. no... 
goodbyes. And so we have this weird time and it could be weeks, it could be months, um, where we've had some meaningful and difficult conversations, but yeah. at least we get conversations, right? And yeah. And we get planning. And we can talk to the kids about, about hard stuff and they have a lot of wild questions oh, yeah. that um I bet they do. That have been really interesting to navigate. You know, not wanting to um like appease ignorance if that's the right way to say it but also not wanting to like give them fluff you know what i mean or like yeah. you know everything's fine right yep and so we've had conversations about a broken world and we've had conversations about sin and we've had conversations about you know of course the fact that this isn't all that is life mm-hmm. and for a seven and ten year old who understand a, a little bit it's it's interesting how kids understand until it's their personal families and yeah. then it's like wow that's different right because yeah. I don't believe kids actually piece together because they've not walked through grandparents passing away yet. Yeah. About what, you know, life as they know it ending means. And so. Right. It's, it's pretty interesting. So we actually keep it at our home, a conversation that we have every other day. We yeah. just talk yeah. about, you know, going, um, and, you know, and visiting just in case, you know, and so in case God heals, but I also tell them, you know, God, is going to heal grandpa hmm. he may be just with jesus then right so that's an interesting conversation too god can <coughs> heal miraculously and and give life uh, or he can heal uh, many other ways and so yeah it's been a wild month and a half a lot of emotions of course and mm-hmm. my dad's not a very old guy he's just turned 65 oh wow so um yeah it's kind of wild hmm. yeah well now i yeah, my summer was yeah, what did good. You <laughs> I was Disneyland. <laughs> yeah, what a jerk. <laughs> Nothing bad happened to me this oh man. Yeah, so uh we went on a huge, big long trip from June second till August twentieth. But you were you were off before June second. Yeah, yeah, we uh I was off from May first, basically, and then uh all the way until technically I'm off till tomorrow, but I was just a, too excited to yeah. come back. So yeah, we we drove around. Uh, I'm guessing you had a lot of family time. It's like the well, office is yeah. up two blocks away. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll go read my Bible. It's like, yeah, I gotta go to work. See ya, guys. <laughs> it's gonna be a long day too. I'll be home at seven. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we had a great, great trip. Great sabbatical. I joked with someone they, when I, they saw me yesterday. So are you rested? And I was like, Nah, I'm gonna go again till Christmas. See you guys at Christmas. <laughs> 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 but no, it was a great time and. Uh, we're back now and we were ready to be back and excited to be back. The one rumor I was telling you, someone came to one of our other staff and was like, uh, I had heard that I had actually been fired. <laughs> and then like, so Andrew's gone. What did he do? And it was like, <laughs> no, He's, like we are letting him go on a sabbatical. But I just, it just cracked me up. You got to wonder how many of those are just like a game of telephone where someone misheard like one syllable in one word and it yeah. just slowly got twisted. Or if someone was like, no, this happened and just straight up. I don't know. I don't know. It was just wild. It just cracked me up that I just wish Emily was like, it's not something we talk about until the investigation's over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just lean into the, the rumor. I can neither but confirm nor deny. That, like, yeah. That you would believe that that a church would just like fire someone and then not talk about it at all, and Andrew's not here. Anymore. I mean, I guess sounds like common church trauma. I was going to say it does Maybe. sound like what churches do. So. so, but anyway, so not fired, as far as I know. The, the locks were changed. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> it was weird. That's all. That's all that happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
password email. doesn't. I can't get into my email anymore. <laughs> huh. yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm not gonna go into all the we drove we put fifteen thousand kilometers on our vehicle. Nice. Like sixty nine or seventy days on the road or something, something like, like that. that. Saw Gee. eleven states in in or ten states. Saw the Grand Canyon, Mount Rushmore, Old Faithful. Spent a month in San Diego and. All sorts of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I won't go into all the details of that. Anyone, if you want to come and I'll have a coffee and you can ask me about what we did, but it was a tough Still shaking the, shand- shaking the sand out of oh, your hair. <laughs> How are the courses? Because you were supposed to do some courses. Yeah. So, oh, oh shoot. I mean, <laughs> cut this out. Yeah. I did a, well, the month that we were in San Diego every, because I wake up early anyways, and uh, I would have two hours before the rest of my family nice. woke up. So did a course on biblical leadership through uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, and that was really good. Uh, I told someone it was, I don't know what I was expecting. There was nothing like, whoa, that is earth shattering. But there was a lot of just good reminders of, you know, they would go through, okay, let's look at Nehemiah. Let's look at some principles of leading from him and Moses and Jesus and the apostles and you didn't get any fresh wind, no fresh wind or fresh (laughs) fire or whatever. But stuff that you you go like, yep, that's, yeah, that's, you know, oh, as a leader, are you praying for the people that you lead? Yeah. And you're like, yeah, oh, shoot, that's super convicting. Like, yeah. it's very common sense, right? Yeah. Do you love the people that you are actually leading? And like, man, that's such a good reminder. So, or like love enough to rebuke and love enough to like yeah. coach and, and, and mentor and so give it's like, direction. Or is this just a job and you right. like hate the people that you have to deal with? And it was just like, so... So you're listening. I don't hate you, <laughs> but it was just good, like solid. Yes, you're right. That's what being a leader is. And and then I took one um, through the Bible project on the book of Ephesians, which was nice. really, really good. That was a that was a longer one. And it had uh, just basically let's just go through the book, of Ephesians. the book. And there was a few moments of like, whoa, like I have never actually thought about it like that. That's interesting. I don't know if I agree with that, but I've never I've never heard it that way. Like, yeah. So that was really good just to um, go through a book of the Bible. And then uh, the other thing that's interesting, and then we'll get to our topic. Uh, go, we, we found a church that we went to for the four Sundays that we were in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And that was an interesting uh, process. I have n- in, my, in my entire life, I have never gone to a church that my dad's not the pastor at or I'm not the pastor at. Sheesh. Oh, wow. And, and so as I was thinking about it, like, oh, I'm like, yeah, I've never... I would just, my dad's the pastor, so I go here, or I'm the pastor. So you so got I, the full Christian consumer experience. It did. It was amazing. <laughs> but it was odd to just be like, oh, yeah, church starts at 1030, so let's be there at 1020 and sit in a pew and just like not yell at worship. People. And, no. <laughs> and even Molly was like, was that hard for you? And I was like, if I'm honest, yeah. Right. To not be the one that like, mm. Okay, well, I gotta get up and like lead communion now and pray after the sermon, and just to like jokingly consume. Yeah, I was like, that was so odd. Mm-hmm. And even the process of like finding a church to go to, I was like, this is what people do or should do at least: googling stuff, listening to sermon clips, yeah, uh, reading statements of faith, saying like, oh boy, no, we're not gonna go there. We're gonna go here, like. It was just a, I've yeah. never had to do that before. It was just like, I'm hired, so of course I'll go to this church. Right. <laughs> That's interesting you say that. I have um, two <clears throat> former kind of friends, more so now acquaintances, that um, 
I follow on Facebook and I saw that they started attending a church on Saturday evenings with their family because they're pastors and uh, with little kids. And so, of course, the whole children's ministry and it's a smaller congregation just outside Edmonton. And um, yeah, they, they said we started attending for that very reason, like just to go yeah. to hear the word, to to actually sit and enjoy like with a family. So they're like, so our kids have some sort of semblance of model of like, this is kind of like what church is in case yeah, you, yeah. you don't become a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> And I was just reading their their little blog or vlog thing, and I I found it quite curious, and and really, it kind of made sense. Like, that experience was actually quite valuable for them. Yeah, it gave me an appreciation for, like, it's hard to be a new person in a church. So Mm. it gave me a a good appreciation for, like, the people who, and I've heard over the summer we've had lots of new people, which is super exciting. But to know, like, that's hard to walk into a church where you don't know anybody and I don't know, it just gave me, because I was that person for four weeks and then kind of standing around. And I, I'm luckily, like people came and talked to us and they were friendly and it was great. But it just felt like, yeah. oh, it is man, different. I don't know anybody <laughs> here. And like, it felt awkward. And then it, yeah, the, the ability to just sit with my wife and like enjoy a sermon together and take notes and then talk about it. Like, I haven't had that, yeah. I don't know, for years and years and years. It's always like, you know, I get my sermon criticized when I get home. <laughs> I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, anyways, that was a really. You just good get your jokes criticized. I do. Like or one. yeah. Or she'll say like, "I told you not to, <laughs> to say, say that. that. Why did you say that? I don't know. Cam said it would be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I want to bet with Corlin. I want to bet, and so now, yeah. yeah. Anyways, so it was really good. I'll talk more about sabbatical later, but. Uh, but on that, uh, just on the return, what's th- this week been like for you? Like, uh, what yes. have you been doing this? Uh, yeah, so uh, on your non-work days since returning. Yeah, so I am preaching this Sunday, um, and then just wanting to, you know, meet with Dawn, meet with a- Emily. If you don't know, those are our other staff members. Just check in. How was the summer? How was family camp? How was VBS? Mm-hmm. How was Sunday mornings? How yeah. was? Um, already had a, a meeting Monday night. Uh, and then I had a few people who were like, I need to meet with you. So then, uh, not that anything went wrong, but just putting out small fires sure. of things that were like, oh, this happened while you were gone. And I don't know. So, you know, yesterday me and, uh, one of our great sound people were reprogramming lights right? because something happened and not a whole lot of people know, like, and I happen to be one of the people that know. So just stuff like that. Yep. And, um, Fixing a few website things and just like, I don't know. It's been just, it's been good. Yeah. And then lots of people have stopped in and, oh, you're back. And then you chat with them and reconnect and it's been good. You get to have the same conversation. I know. Yeah. How was sabbatical? Someone said I should just record and answer on my phone <laughs> and be like, play. Sabbatical was great. Thanks for asking. It's good to be back. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> put a sign on your door. <laughs> yeah, just put a sign. Yeah, please read this statement. This official <laughs> statement that I wrote for you. <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. Glad to be back. Uh, I was. We were actually excited to come back, which Molly was like, I think that's a good thing. Right. That as yeah. we're driving home, we're not like, oh, crap. It's over. No, I don't want to go back. Yep. I would agree. Then it was like, man, I'm actually, I'm actually, I missed these people. I'm excited to be back and excited to go to work and not dreading it. And anyways, so what are you preaching on this Sunday? It's funny. I know Stan uh, mentioned on Sunday. Well, it's my privilege to officially wrap up the series. Somewhere in the Psalms. We're doing one more. Psalm nice. 29. And I'm going to joke like Stan doesn't have the authority <laughs> to wrap up a sermon series. That's good. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that's good. That is one joke that I'm going to say. Like, he didn't know, but only I <laughs> made that <laughs> serious. <laughs> and, I, and I joked with Molly. I'm like, we have new people in the church that I wonder if they'll be like, is this guy for real? Yeah, don't know. Like one guy who was meeting with Don, his family's been attending. Don made some some comment about like, yeah, well, when Andrew's back. And his comment literally was like, who's Andrew? Yeah. Right. They don't know. Like, it's yeah. so funny. <laughs> That's good. So yeah, Psalm 29 will be wrapping, officially wrapping up the Summer in the Psalms on Sunday. So all that to say, we have a topic for this morning. That was uh, 16 minutes of just... Summer. Catch it up. 16 minutes of summer. 16 minutes of summer. That sounds Yeah, nice. that uh, sounds like Fort St. John. That sounds <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's gone. Yeah. Um, the topic today is the separation of church and state. Or let me just kind of like... Like, what does that mean? Yeah, flesh, yeah. It's, not how, the, it's not the 80s. Yeah. How <laughs> should Christians and churches, I don't know, interact Navigate with politics. politics? Is there, like, what is our view of, of that? Should churches, and I'm using churches meaning, like, the institution of church. Like, mm-hmm. individually, we can talk about, you know, should I as a Christian Your be Christian responsibility, yeah. But churches in general... You know, should North Peace MB Church have its fingers in politics or should it be like we have nothing to do with politics? It's completely separate. We're just going to do our thing. The, the state does its thing over here. Um, does the Bible talk about that? What is our interaction with, you know, the world? And yeah, and I think we should <clears throat> maybe break down and define politics a little bit because uh it it may not be known i I work for local government when Uh. i (laughs) right when i leave here i drive down to city hall and so then you do nothing for us (laughs) (laughs) and it's actually so interesting because when there is a federal mandate or a provincial mandate and mandate is a word that's been you know it's been yeah, it's been isolated to COVID, but federal or provincial mandates are just something that's been around for a century. Like, that's just, we're going to do it this way uh, based on a political decision. And then um, folks locally will maybe protest City Hall saying like, oh, you are responsible for this. And it's quite fascinating. I've only learned over the few years I've been in local government that it's like there's a community charter act in provinces like British Columbia where the city must follow a provincial direction and so sometimes and i've seen i've been witness to local folks frustrated yeah but also like you know i've had a couple sentiments like you should quit your job it's like my bank should quit taking mortgage payments from me (laughs) (laughs) yeah that would be an interesting conversation um but so i think it's it's important to differentiate some of that frustration or what is a political difference or where the church becomes involved because a lot of folks, or not a lot, but several folks that are in our congregation work for, quote-unquote, government. Sure. And are not political. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a hot topic, ever, especially since COVID. I mean, sure. it's before that, too, long before that. But especially with COVID, it has ramped up like crazy where people want to talk about this. And I think part of the thing that Christians will notice is that it is quite polarizing. Um, hmm. Imagine that. I don't see that. (laughs) Like like most topics within the church, it's polarizing. Yeah. And we don't often talk about it well. We don't give grace where there should be grace. We don't, some people don't speak with conviction where there is conviction. And so I, yeah, I think that you will notice that 
if you're talking to different Christians about this, you will have very strong opinions. And so how, how do we even have start with conversations and move forward from that? I think it's a good I think, conversation. To I start. think COVID pales in comparison to the, <clears throat> the most polarizing Christian subject of the Soji curriculum. That was about eight or nine years ago, kind of introduced by government. And, mm. and I think that was, yeah, that one was big too. Yeah. I think it, it still big. is. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but again, that would be a, like a political direction or, or mandate that's given. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think like it's in, it's interesting. There's a growing movement in the states and in Canada of this idea of like we need to we need to turn these nations into Christian nations. Christian nationalism. Yeah, whatever you're you want to call it. Yeah, there. Christian nationalism or Christendom or whatever. Yeah, but there's this kind of growing thing where like as Christians, it's our responsibility to take over, right? And so you know, you guys, you got very popular. Got you know Jeff Durbin. You got um, what's the guy in Idaho? Uh, Doug Wilson. Doug Wilson. I was gonna say Doug White. I'm like, nope. Doug Wilson. You have others that are like, yeah. Like if you go to Doug Wilson's church's webpage, their their mission is we are gonna turn Moscow, Idaho, into a Christian city. That's yeah. their mission. Yeah. And so then there's this idea of like we gotta have all, we gotta take over the government. So we're making it's a Christian government take over the schools so we're doing christian schools i get i get the sentiment behind it that we want to we want to be moral people we want the bible to dictate morality we want our kids to not be taught drag queen story hour or whatever right i get the sentiment behind it but i struggle with like the biblical basis for our goal as followers of jesus is to turn our countries into christian nations um, I just don't see it, right? I see, I actually see um, a whole lot of stuff where Jesus says like, yeah, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And re- he's talking about paying taxes and render to, to God the things that are God. God's, um, you see in First uh, Peter 2 is a really interesting uh, passage where Peter calls us sojourners and exiles he says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which, war, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Then the very next verse is, be subject to the, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor or supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil, praise those who do good. This is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. And when you read the New Testament and all the apostles' writings, there's no like, okay, here's the handbook for how you take over. It's kind of like you guys are actually citizens of the age to come. You're citizens of the kingdom of God. Yeah. So now live among the Gentiles, which is their word for unbelievers, as honorable people. And... They also don't say like, therefore, don't vote or don't have a city job or don't. But they just say like, that's not the be all and end all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the what really gets confusing is that I've heard people reference Daniel and his opposition to uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar, right? Throwing up my sorry. Yeah. (laughs) But but it's interesting because I remember having um, just a really simple explanation in seminary where the threshold for 
opposition should be, and we've shared it before, when government is directly causing you to sin against the holy God. Like, like yeah. mandating that you sin. Not affirming sin in general or, or like, you know, affirming uh, wicked choices. Like, that is terrible. And we should have a position against that, but it, and it was a, a topic of conversation through COVID and, and provincial and federal oppression where yeah. we had really hard conversations. Whereas is today the government telling us as believers to sin against God? Hmm. And I don't personally feel like that threshold was ever crossed. And sure. so then in our frustration, we, we, um, you know, we, we, we lost people because we were not strict enough and we yeah. gained people because we were not so strict. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, that is just the position I think of the church where you're not going to appease that spectrum of folks, but we were convict, we were comfortable in our conviction that we were just holding that threshold in tension with mm -hmm. the way politics or the way government was moving and it was so frustrating. It was infuri infuriating. And there were folks that said, should we protest? Should we go somewhere and display our displeasure? And I actually told someone, well, you'd have to go to Victoria because going to City Hall is irrelevant. Like the government in our province, their, their legislature's in Victoria. Yeah. Fly there and, and maybe if you feel compelled to protest. Sure. But, you know, on a hundredth and a hundredth, I mean, okay, Energetic City will pick it up, but um, <laughs> the leaders in place will not understand your your sure. position. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have thoughts? Because I have more. Yeah. I <laughs> I think what you're saying is right, Andrew. Scripture talks lots about uh, within the church, there being drastic, drastic change, and there's lots of uh, evidence that supports that we the church should conduct itself with a certain morality and as the church grows that will influence the neighborhoods around it and, and the people around sure. them absolutely it should um and and even in scripture it talks about the law of the lord being written on people's hearts mm -hmm. right so i think i think inherently humans have a desire written on their hearts to do moral things but because of sin that gets so twisted that yeah we are unable to do those things without Jesus's work in our life. And so that's why we end up with these situations where we have that weird tension where you can see there are people yeah. that make laws that are good. People who aren't Christians who make laws that Christians are like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Even if they're not a Christian making that law. And yet there's others where we're like, hold up, that's, that's wrong. And so I, I think scripture does speak more to the fact that these are f for the way the church should conduct itself sure. and influence the people around them. Yeah, it's it, like I've talked about it before, but it's kind of like this. How are we going to change a culture? And I think sometimes we view it as like, well, we can just change it from the top down. So if we just write a whole bunch of laws that make us a moral country, then everyone's hearts will be changed. And it's like. Nope. No. That's actually look at Israel. <laughs> they right. had the list of moral laws and man oh man they were wicked. And uh look at us. Like Yeah. And and I think too we we idolize the idea of like, well, if I, I hear the, the phraseology or the wording is often like, Man, if we just loved God enough, we would do well, we would do these sure. things. 
we would we would live this perfect flawless yeah. life and i think there is probably truth to that but then you also look at leaders like moses mm-hmm. he he was not a great guy <laughs> like what i we we yeah exalt these people as like we just need another leader to to bring us to this yeah and that's exactly what the nation of israel did when god was like i am the lord your god you shall have no other gods before me i i am lord of you and they were like we want a king king. it's like (laughs) yeah that's that's not so i think did that work out for them and so then when we look into our own day and age if we're looking for government as this like okay well this world is messed up we believe Jesus is Lord, but if we had a Christian government, it would just be that much yeah. better. I'll argue right now that we have a Christian foundation of the laws in this country. Yeah, totally. We do. Yeah. I, yeah, and if anyone wants to argue against it, it'd be really interesting to pick apart because yeah. whether people follow them or not, you cannot steal. You cannot threaten yeah. life. You cannot yeah. murder. You cannot even... Um, you can go down the list like around sexual laws, but the confusion, of course, is that then it also protects those who choose not to live Christian. And that is a conflict. And I am interested, quite fascinated, actually, when when you're speaking on like that whole top down thought. And and I think it's so prevalent today where it was like, let's go to the leaders and express our displeasure. And it's all because it dare I say that might be easier than like making your position so firm among your peers and those hurting and broken that we actually like show an alternative to yeah. what the mainstream is telling well, the world. Think, like think about it instead of like, let's, and I'll give an example from our own town, but instead of like, let's just fix everything by appointing the right leaders and then mandating Christian morality, find our new Saul and hope he doesn't. Yeah. But then instead <laughs> yeah. of that, well, what if I just like, shared the gospel with all my neighbors. Let's say by God's grace, they became believers and we're discipling them. And let's say that that's happening all over our city. Will it affect the next election? And will it affect the, does it probably because you have people that their hearts are changed. And now that affects the decisions that I make, even in the last local election for mayor, um, uh, there was one candidate who was a professed Christian for mayor and uh that person didn't get elected and then weeks later i got an anonymous letter like just bashing us as a church Mm. that we didn't don't you know that it was god's will for this christian leader to be elected and that would have changed our city or whatever it was i'm trying to remember it. I, i just threw the letter away yeah but like why why didn't you have this individual speak at your church and hold a rally for them and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But that's the view, right? Mm-hmm. Ah, it was God's will that we would elect. And God is it's, so weak that your group of people changed yeah. his will. It's, it's almost like, like I actually, you know, cards on the table didn't vote for that person. Cause I don't, I didn't think they would be the best candidate for the, that job. Yeah. So you could go on, yeah. you didn't vote for the Christian yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Right. Like, so I think there's, there's this idea that, and that's where the separation of church and, and state comes in, which I think you can go too far the other way Yep. where some Anabaptists, which is where our, our history as a church comes from, where they're like, Christians shouldn't vote. Christians should not work for the government. Mm-hmm. We're just like completely, you think about Presbyterian, we're like completely separate from yep. anything worldly, which yep. I think is also wrong. Yeah, like I agree. You, you see Paul when Paul's arrested once 
and he's about to be whipped. Um, this is in the book of Acts. But he makes casual reference to like, oh, you, you would do this to a Roman citizen? And then he goes through the whole governmental system of the day to not get whipped. Yeah. Mm. And you would say, well, Paul, you're not supposed to interact with government. And no, he did. And he did it in a really gracious way. But he kind of said, yeah. like, what you're doing here is wrong. And he called them out. Daniel, right? Like, mm -hmm. he rose the ranks in Nebuchadnezzar's government. But notice he didn't try and start an uprising. Well, he would have been stabbed with a sword in like 18 seconds yeah. and Daniel would not pass. But he stuck, There'd be he no Daniel fest. firm to yeah. his like convictions. Like, no, this is wrong. And yet he gained Nebuchadnezzar's trust and he did a lot of great stuff for the thing about, um, did and I he, say David? I meant Daniel. Did you I said, David? no, you said Daniel. Said okay, Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. yeah. And you see other examples, right? In scripture of Christians who are going to interact with the worldly system. Uh, but, I, I'm not defined by it. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, and yet I'm also a Canadian citizen. But which citizenship is more important? Well, the kingdom of God, right? Yeah. But I, I still vote. I still um, can write a, a letter to my you know, MP about something mm -hmm. that bothers me. Sure. I'm not saying like we completely separate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think any time the idea of like a Christian nation, it actually cracks me up that that kind of thinking is on the rise again because I'm like, Hey, read history. Yeah. Anytime this happens. Did it work for Catholicism? Because well, so Henry the Eighth. Yeah. Uh, I'm a Christian, and I'm now the head of the Church of England. Went really, really bad. You yeah. think about the the Crusades. You think about any time Christians come into great power in the government, it goes really bad. And yet it's just so funny. Just like I, anyone else though. Well, I've heard people say like, "Well, we're going to do it different this time. We're going to do it right." And I'm like, "Oh not boy." Been, and yeah. is that the goal? Like, I just... Yeah. I, I was having a conversation with someone. Really, really good conversation, actually. Um, I, the guy is really, really knowledgeable. A um, lot of respect for this guy in our conversations that we had over the period that I was around him. And we we were talking. We had opposing views on Christian nationalism and, and how these things play out. And I there's something that I find interesting. And I was noticing it, even watching a couple of Jeff Durbin clips and stuff on the topic... Uh, is it seems like the polarization, the separation actually happens within the church on these ideologies, not necessarily in how they're lived out. And so what I mean by that is that uh, the people that would say that Christian nationalism is something that should happen uh, often accuse Christians who don't attend rallies against abortion and don't attend those kinds of things or push really hard with everyone they're talking about those legislations that we get accused of, of being mushy and soft Christians who sure. don't care and, and blah, blah, blah. And yet it was interesting because on, on the spectrum that would be laid out, like what we're talking about here, this, yeah. this guy and I were on pretty, we were pretty far apart on the spectrum. And yet both of us would agree that Christ is King and that he is changing people and changing lives. We would just say that that happens to a different extent while here on earth sure like it, it's fulfilled to a different extent we would view that as mm -hmm. and so it's it's interesting to me because throughout our conversations one of the things that came up was like okay so we we want christian morality as like a baseline for law and to be a christian nation if we came to a nation or a tribe that had no knowledge of jesus would you first impose moral law or would you attempt to share the gospel with them mm -hmm. so that they were changed and then through that have the Same. moral law now brought you're a in. follower of Jesus. Do not murder yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Wh which would you do first? Which is more important? Because 
you could go in and enforce a moral law and have your own judicial system. You could have them follow it perfectly, but if they don't love Christ, you've lost that battle completely. Yeah. Right. So then when we look at the, at Canada, if we look at the U S whichever country, whichever people group you want to look at, where, which line is more important to you? Is it more important that they would follow laws and then become a Christian because it's easier to cope with the sin in the world if we have a judicial system for it? Or is it more important to you that they would actually be lovers of Christ who mess up and have a judicial system for them to walk through that honors God and honors each other that, that can help them in their journey? I think to me, that's where that, that separation happens, though, is that we, we often get distracted by the fact that there's a messed up world. And if we just put a law in place, it would stop. But that's exactly what we get, what people get frustrated about with both sides of the political yeah, spectrum. People is, think they want that, but they don't. Because as soon as you put in a law that says two men can't marry or two women can't marry or a man can't transition, you need the same law that says you can't uh, date a man while you're separated from your husband. Like that would be criminal also because yeah. and, and, and the Christian church wouldn't agree with that. They'd be like, no, no, I, it's it's history repeats. It's the sin outside, not the sin within. It's like we want to regulate the sin outside the church walls, not the ones we're dealing with. But you can't. That's the age old conflict of what is evil. Like, yeah, yeah that's evil. And so is your you're coveting your neighbor's lawnmower. There's yeah. not a hierarchy of yeah, evil. Yeah, exactly. And so to regulate one, you're regulating yourself and you can't live to that measure, thus grace. You can't live to that level of standard you're willing to impose on your neighbor, which is not loving your neighbor. So there's a conflict there. To the point on rallies, protests, I agree with expressions that reveal vulnerable people groups to, to the larger population understanding like, hey, there are you know, missing and murdered indigenous women on a highway because their community that you put them in has no resources. Like people are forced to do like there are wonderful protests, not even protests, like rallies that are designed to uh, turn the attention of the people to this um, concern. But what I don't really understand is uh, small groups of Christians that want to protest a law or a rule it's like no kidding they know you don't agree yeah. like there there's mm -hmm. not like some fresh revelation we don't agree with it well no kidding that's not going to turn anyone's conviction in government there they you you want to you see stickers with affections towards Justin Trudeau that are not true affections around town your 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 protest outside bomber zimmer's office is not going to sway a, a broken sinful ideology of government that affirms everyone in the way they express themselves and it's super frustrating and you have young kids that are not in school yet just wait like it's something mm -hmm. um my wife and i had, had to talk at length about do we pull them out do we keep them in our conviction for our personal family and it's tough every september where they go back to school is that our kids go to a public school our neighbor kid says the f word she's like nine years old it's terrible they filthy mouth on her and then i was talking to my son yesterday i'm like hey you're not repeating words like that it's like their mom says that too i'm like yeah that's super tough yeah. right uh you're not allowed to play outside now you're going to go to our own private basement every day because we can't escape that right yeah. or we're going to move to the country and if that's the conviction for some fine it's not the conviction for us and so then it's actually a little more work i think and a little more discipleship because now we're talking to our children about 
why we don't believe that that's right for our family, but you will never be a bully. And so the whole curriculum with Soji, I remember meeting with the principal of the current school we're in and teachers saying, if you're going to talk about sexuality, I want to know first. I want to see your curriculum. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about Soji and they're like, yeah, listen, like we're not actually getting much. And it's actually everyone is to be, um, you know, treated fairly no one's supposed to be bullied. I'm like, I'll be the first one to spank my kids, but if I find out they're bullying someone. And my kid had a kid in a class who went from a one name to another, and it was super weird for my kid. They came home, we talked about it. And I'm like, you'll never make fun of that kid because <laughs> that's not allowed in this house. Yeah. Mm. So you're not going to get to stand there and say, you shouldn't do that or you're weird. And I'm not going to call the parents and say, or the school and say, that kid shouldn't be in there. Like, what are you doing to that kid? I don't believe what they're doing to that kid is right. I think sure. it's I think it's morally grotesque, but I'm not going to phone the parents and say you're screwing up your kid. I'm going to teach my kid that person's a human being. Yeah, God loves that person, and they're they're they are lost. Yeah. But you will never bully that kid. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. That's good. I listened to a sermon while we were on sabbatical, and he was talking about like the rise of secularism, and then how Christians respond to that. Because he was saying like secularism is a religion, and he kind of walked through each point and I went yeah you're right like they have their priests like they're experts of this and that and they have their ceremonies that they do and blah 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 blah. but what he said it near the end of like lots of Christians just get so angry right at what's happening you're listening to these sermons while you're in their Mecca hey Cali yeah. California <laughs> yeah, no kidding being like oh my gosh <laughs> but uh he said lots of Christians just get so mad and angry and he's like I get it but actually what you should be feeling is pity He's like, you, the, you, you should be feeling sorry for people yeah. that are getting sucked into this false religion. And when he said that, it kind of changed my whole, I shouldn't change my whole view, but it was just kind of like, man, you're right. You can get so ticked off and angry at people, but I'm like, that person is made in the image of God and they're so lost and so confused. Someone said, I heard someone say, they're not your enemy. They're a victim of your enemy. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, I think so, they may have even said that. Yeah. And, like the person who is doing this is not the the enemy and it's like i don't know to have compassion and pity and then actually reach out to people uh with love and compassion and not watering down the truth and just affirming them because we love them but it it just kind of changes like i so many christians are so mad and angry and it's like yeah they're not the enemy they're victims of the end. They're blind. They're being sucked into an ideology and a worldview that is just destroying them. And oh, that we would like have pity on them and reach out to them and show them love and yeah. try and win them with the gospel. Like it, I don't know. It just kind of changes your mindset when it's like, right. Our like Jesus or um, whoever said it, I'm such a bad pastor, right? Our battle is not against flesh Paul. and blood. Paul, Jesus, Nehemiah, Esther. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, right, but it's not. We wage war against the principalities and powers. Like I think sometimes though we 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 get caught in that we're waging a war and we're trying to be different. And it's like at least Coral and I have worked in secular environments. Hey. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we it, I've shared before. It's fascinating on like our on the team I'm on. You know, when I'm not using mf words and and you know like just vulgarity but i'm also not standing on a pulpit in the corner preaching morality because i'm just eating my lunch and sure, and yeah. having a conversation about a, you know someone's camping trip you know what i mean because i'm just being a person and i think 
you know, th that's not how we live our lives evangelistically, but it is an element of it because there is something and they know. I have people that apologize if they drop an F-bomb in front of me and I kind of smirk to myself where it's like, oh yeah, they remember I'm still, the Salvation Army is still not so far away that they, re <laughs> they re it's, been a f it's been a few years, but it's not even that anymore. They just know intrinsically that's not language I use. So when they drop it, there's like, whoops, uh, sorry, man. And I'm like, that's okay. Like they're not talking to me. They're just around me. Right. But yeah, you're not so odd that it's like, yeah. I need to talk to you about the language you use. Like, yeah, we don't have the accountability relationship yet, but if I'm with one of you guys at coffee and someone said that word, they'd be like, Whoa, man, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, you yeah. need to talk. Yeah, yeah. Like what's going on with you? Yeah. And we've covered that before just around what is accountability and where is our place in that relationship? Totally. And I always argue if there's no relationships, you don't have a place. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to your brother. <laughs> That's not a global brother. It is like going to your brother in a relationship of accountability. And we've said it before. The uh, Paul says a conviction that is yours is not your neighbor. So to hold them to that light, you're actually doing a disservice. Like, mm -hmm. what do you think you're doing? And that is that whole philosophy of they are the victims of your enemy. They're not your enemy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think something that I would want to add to with all this is that, you know, we, we can talk about separation of church and state and how Christian nationalism, I, I would, think what I'm gathering from us is that we're like, hey, like the view of Christian nationalism as presented by some is not where we would stand and not think that it's necessarily a biblical approach right. to the church. But I also don't think that the church and state should be separate. Right. right. Yeah. Like you said, yep. if you are a Christian, like your first and foremost responsibility is your relationship with the Lord and you honoring him. Yeah. And if you have a family, then to your family to protect them and to yep. love them and teach them and guide them. Yep. And then to the church and yep. to, to protect and guide your brothers and, and walk together to sharpen them and to, to brothers and sisters to sharpen them. Uh, and then because of that, you, we get to pour out into the community. So totally. even in Revelation, the, uh, the imagery that's used of heaven is a city where water is flowing out into the world yeah. and that water is meant to be symbolic of the water of life right like we are to be pouring out of the church into our communities giving mm -hmm. bringing bearers of we are bearers of life that say hey like look at this new way like come partake of where we are getting this life yeah right and so absolutely, I think there is plenty of room in scripture to say that we should be in, in yeah. talking mm -hmm. about government, in yeah. government, trying to to show and teach people. But we're not trying to show and teach people a certain moral standard. We're trying to teach them about Christ, who is the standard. Yeah. And that moral, the morality standard follows then, because when we look at Christ and we see the morality, then, you know, our our... our bar has been raised so high by him that then our bar inherently should be raised as well mm -hmm. your paul reference on avoiding the flogging by using a judicial system or, or a strategic uh thought process is actually how I, i've spoken to tatiana about the school system when we met with teachers because it was like oh the soji curriculum as i understand was introduced yeah we saw some emails and i'm like it's kind of interesting, like, I know you're not trained to to talk, actually, about in-depth sexuality. Have they given you additional resources or, or courses, professional development? No, no. And so then it becomes a question of, like, well, you're not even equipped to do what you may be asked to do. Is that a problem? And so I think it's far more strategic for those who have that moral construct to go to 
the school board and say like what is the actual purpose or how are you even resourcing these four-year BA teachers ed certificate mm-hmm. teachers to deliver something that could be uh, sociological or psychological or mm-hmm. or, f- or or physiological uh, when they were when they studied social studies and then got a teaching certificate on how to deliver that information yeah the argument then is like well information's information I'm like not when it is involving something on a much deeper yeah. level so I feel like a strategy of the for those who are really bothered by even that school system is to have r- meetings with the superintendent or with the mm. principal to ask actually questions more along the lines of like how do you even see this happening or what is the purpose because when that teacher last year said listen you know I saw all the stuff you know literally it's all about being inclusive so I just relate it to bullying no one's allowed to bully everyone's accepted I'm like oh I can buy that because sure. I'll, I'll talk to my kids about what we believe. But like yeah. I said already, yeah. they're not going to bully anyone. So I agree with that. Please yeah. tell them about that. Every single person has value. Yeah. But as soon as they, if they ever got to the point where, and now we're all going to follow Billy's way of doing life. Well, I don't see a grade two teacher doing that. But if they did, it would be a different conversation yeah. Yeah. with yeah. us and the principal. But I'm not going to protest outside the school board because they already know intrinsically that Christians are not big fans of, <laughs> of the yes. direction. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to change anything. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. it actually. Uh, so just to like close, because I know you guys have to go to your real jobs. I mean, I could sit here all day and talk. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, I, I agree with you, Corlin, that I, I don't think separation of church and state is right either, because it's just naive to think like. We can just be completely removed from society and not have to do it's just like well it's not the image that is portrayed no in but i think the idea of christian nationalism or dominionism or whatever you want to call it is also not biblical uh that's why we don't hold we've been asked can we hold this political rally at the church no do it in your backyard now i would never tell our congregation oh by the way don't go to that yeah, like, you can just you can decide to go to that. I don't care. Like, but we're not going to have it at the church because we just don't. That's the separation, right? Of like, yeah. we're not gonna we're not gonna put a candidate's uh, sign on the church lawn because that might not be the candidate that you vote for, and that doesn't make you any less of a Christian. Yeah. Like, not only that, but when the <laughs> when you as the lead pastor or the elders board reviews sermon series or reviews a topic that we would share or reviews a movie that we would watch in the sanctuary if there's not a collective feeling of like yes that is the voice of north peace mb Mm -hmm. then the structure to which we're responsible for will not be used to convey that so like a political party like we'd have to sit down with that kind of understand everything and maybe sit down with all of like it would be it's not something that the building was designed for yeah and then i think too like when you kind of have this view of yes there's the there's the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And then the, the reality is, is that there's just this kingdom of this world and it's Satan and evil. And, and I've, I had, I've had people who are like, you don't believe in the whole two kingdom thing, right? Jesus is Lord of all. I'm like, yeah, I agree. He is Lord of all, yeah. but you're naive to say that there's not a kingdom of darkness yeah. that is opposed to the kingdom of God. And then we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and yet we live am, uh, amidst, among, amidst, among, in this kingdom that opposes Jesus. And so we live, like Peter says, as, as exiles, exiles and, and we live with good conduct so that people can't speak evil of us. Um, it, actually, it actually should bring an incredible amount of peace 
no matter which way your country's headed. Because I know Christians that are like in a panic over what Trudeau is doing to the country. And don't get me wrong, I'm pretty ticked off too. I think I shouldn't say my political views, mm-hmm. but I think he's like ruining a lot of the good that Canada could be just by stupid policies. And I know it's not just him, it's the whole system, blah, 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 blah. But I actually sleep great at night because I'm like, whether we become a communist country or not, I'm a citizen of the age to come. Yeah. And is life going to get hard here? Maybe, but that's okay. Right. Yeah. And but so you know I, what's funny? Sorry to interrupt. It's the opposite. People are more worried about us being socialist from the liberal Trudeau government, which means more for those who don't do their fair share. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can I share? Sorry. Which is pretty funny. I, I got to share this story, though. So I, I work at nine. I'm good. Oh. <laughs> I work at 830. So um, <laughs> we were in the States and Molly's grandma is 96 years old. And so we they like took they went to this thrift store, kind of like our version of Salvation Army, but it's called uh, Savers. And so uh, 96-year-old grandma just has to sit down. Cause is it a Christian store? Because that's a brilliant name. Savers. No, it's not. <laughs> so grandma sits down, finds this like bench to sit down on because she's old and I'm tired. And while everybody else shops. And this other older lady came and sat down next to her. And they were chatting. And you're sitting there? So why? No. Well, then why do you say you're tired? No, he I was Pretending to be the grandma. Yeah, I'm oh. tired. I, I'm <laughs> tired, sonny boy. Um, he says, so, so grandma sits down because I'm tired. It's like, <laughs> you guys are tired her or what? Story. <laughs> so uh, she, grandma starts chatting to this other lady. And, oh, yeah, that's my uh, that's my granddaughter. And they, their family lives in Canada. So they were talking about Canada and blah, blah, blah. And then Molly came over and the lady was like, so you're, you live in Canada? And Molly was like, yeah. And the lady goes, this is the quote, Canada that's a communist country, right? (laughs) (laughs) Merca. I was like, oh, that is amazing. And Molly's answer was like, well, yeah. Sorry, which, which, this is in Idaho? This is in Idaho. So like a four, Four, yeah, a four hour drive. Yeah. And it was like, Canada, that's communist, right? And she was like, well, not really. It's more like socialism kind of. So it was so funny. You got the internet up there? Yeah. Uh, So, but anyways, like you can just have, peace even in the midst of like i hope canada doesn't go down the toilet and i vote a certain way to have my voice heard but if in in god's providence he allows that to happen okay like yeah so you think about china uh china's a communist country and there is no like religious freedom and you would think that either the churches would rise up and overthrow the government or they would be snuffed out and the the church in China is thriving hundreds of millions of Christians. Yeah. And yet there is no, no matter reli- what they do, there the is no religious freedom. And My, yet there yeah. it, it's exploding underground because you can't stop the Holy spirit. My wife's first six and a half years of life was in a communist country yeah. where Christianity was illegal. And her grandfather was a pastor. Yeah. He was a carpenter for his job, uh-huh. but he ministered to people ever. So that's where she started hearing the word of God. Yeah. But he had no training, just an old beat up Russian Bible that he got somehow, and he would just preach from it. And wow. in the He's USSR. His best, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, yeah. Oh, but it's, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think Christians, we don't throw up our hands going, well, it's going down the toilet, whatever. No, vote and write your MP and be involved and do stuff. But if in God's sovereignty it gets worse, I, like you can actually sleep good at night knowing okay, yeah. God's in control. How do we win? 
by following the Lamb. Yeah. It's yeah. Read the book of Revelation. It's can we turn this building into an indoor skate park and we do underground church? Like, Boom! I, oh yeah, I love it. So, anyways, rock climbing wall. <laughs> rock climbing. We're a community center. <laughs> so, anyways, I don't know. Any last thoughts or? If you're new to the podcast, we we do mix in some light sarcasm. Yes, so. <laughs> we we do. We have one listener, and I. I, I love her. I won't say her name in case she doesn't want, but she's she did say like I love the podcast. Listen to it every week. It's a, a bit, bit jokey. Too jokey for me, <laughs> which I think is so funny. I'm like, yeah, appreciate all, the honesty. We're all good friends and we're sarcastic with each other. And if you don't know, then you'll be like, man, Andrew's mean to Corlin or whatever. <laughs> if you don't know, now you know. Now you know. Yeah. <laughs> so this has been episode. Oh, I forgot you to check. Forgot hundred and. First one back. First one back. Episode one yep. of the new format. Episode 100 and first one back. But uh, if you do have um, questions or topics you want us to talk about, you can email me, andrew at npnbchurch.com, or just reach out to us if you know us, and we'd love to talk about uh, topics that you want. Or if you're like, hey, you should have a guest on. You should have this person on. We'd totally be open to that. So, um yeah, reach out to us. Make sure you subscribe, follow, like our podcast, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>